hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey, and welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast, an adulting advice podcast production. I'm Danny Sheriff, and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. Let's dive in. And guys, please remember that I am not a doctor and nothing on this show should be taken as medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. <laughs> hey everyone, and welcome back to the HA podcast. It's me, Danny, and I'm really excited to be bringing to you guys this guest today. We're going in a bit of a different direction, but I'm very excited because I have a lot of personal curiosity about this topic because I have never been in this world. So I would like to welcome to you guys, Jahan. She's part one of two of a duo called Cruella. I don't know if you've heard of it. If you have not, pause, go listen, then come back. And it starts with a K, by the way, just to help you guys. And we connected really briefly on Instagram. And I was really excited to see someone in the performing space kind of like interested in talking and not being 
uh, I guess, behind the curtain about how hard all of this can be for all of us. Like, you guys know what I'm talking about. So, welcome to Han. Thank you so much for having me. I think we're both jazzed about meeting each other through the internet. Because <laughs> we're, we're both, like I said, I'm a fan of your work and your message and um, just the information that you're sharing with people. And it's been incredibly helpful on my journey as I'm still in recovery. And um, it's listening to your podcast and reading the book, No Period, Now What? And listening to a bunch of other podcasts and looking at the right content and the right Facebook or Instagram posts is what is guiding me along oh, and keeping me motivated. Freaking amazing. <laughs> Um, my husband's probably going to listen back and he's going to be so jazzed that you said that you're excited to talk to me. He's a big fan and he introduced me to you guys. So when you popped in my DMs, I was like, oh, that is so cool. It's probably the one time someone, someone's husband would be like jealous that they don't have a period. Because you and I <laughs> bonded true. over periods. That's what we bonded over. <laughs> That's well, what connected us. Do you have a partner that he can bond with then? No, but... Um, someday when I think about like dating, this is going to be like a very, upon the first day, I'm just going to let them know like period in my period health is a big, big part of my life. And if you can't accept that and be down with whatever I need to do to take care of myself and maintain balance, then it's not going to work out. Yeah. So that's something I've learned. I love it. Oh, so 2021. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, what we're going to do is get backstory for you I want everyone to understand you know where you grew up what that looked like and your journey along with your sister to where you are today performing in front of all of these people and then from there so I want to give that context to everyone in that background and from there we're going to dive into um, a whole conversation about that life and how it might apply to HA and your body image and your health. So please share. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't even know where to start because there's so many layers, as we know, with HA. Um, like for me, I was actually thinking about this today since it's the first day of um, Ramadan. I, I grew up Muslim and I never thought that would have an effect or could have contributed to the mindset or the behavior patterns that led to HA and by no means my blaming my religious upbringing because you know I think it is an incredible and it's a, be a beautiful religion and I'm not currently religious and I don't currently practice um, but I do think the way some people teach it as as in any religion as we know it's the way some people teach it that where mixed messaging can happen so yeah, I think that's a layer for me, the media, you know, um, ingesting subconsciously these images of what um, an artist or an entertainer should look like, what success looks like. Um, but yes, since a really young age, I was hyper aware of my body size since I was like a kid. Sitting in the middle of my two sisters in the car, I would look at my legs as I was wearing shorts and I would observe, like, my legs are, like, twice the size of them, my thighs. And I would just kind of notice it and feel different for it. I didn't know how to make sense of it. And then, you know, as a kid going to the doctor and getting your wellness exams, your yearly checkups, 
every single time I was on the high end of normal, my weight. And I was in that zone, you know, and there's like a visual, there's like a chart and you're in like the orange zone going into red or whatever it was. Oh my gosh. And, right? and I always, the doctor would always say like, yeah, you're on the high end of normal. So I felt like, oh God, I'm teetering. And, you know, I felt like I really need to watch my body and my weight. Um, I was wearing pants. I noticed that um, in, adoles- in adolescence, my pant size was beyond what my peers were wearing you know you would see girls with like wearing double zeros and talking about their zeros and their twos like getting their size twos from Abercrombie I was at TJ Maxx looking at size sevens and by the way when I say when I talk about these numbers I totally understand that me talking about my number could trigger other people because for other people they could be like that weight that you're talking about or that number that size to me is the size I'd like to be so for me at the time, at age 12 and 13, it felt like it was large. Um, and back to Ramadan and fasting, I, when it came time for Ramadan, I wasn't fasting for spiritual reasons. Like that was the last thing on my mind as a teenager, you know, because I was so focused on just like fitting in and my identity and you were just doing it social anxiety. normal for your family. I was doing it because it felt like, you know, I should. And that's not to say there there wasn't value. I think in hindsight, you know, when I look back, I'm like, I think it really, you know, there were some really sweet memory memories of praying at dawn in the morning with my sister and um, very sacred memories. But for the most part, when I look back, I'm like, damn, I think I weirdly got this superficial reward out of it that it gave me an excuse or a reason to lose weight. Interesting. And... I'm, I feel really embarrassed saying that because I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a bad Muslim. I was like motivated by this to lose weight. And that was something I felt good about by the end of it. I would see how my stomach would be slightly concave. And um, so I'm just kind of going through these, you know, past memories before I was even in the music industry or considered being in the music industry. Um, And I was always slow in gym, gym class. I never, like running the mile, I was the last one to run. Sprinting, I couldn't do it. So I was, I think I'm just like a slower moving creature. It's not in my nature to do like fast, high intensity, high intensity workouts um, to, not, to not push my body. Um, and that started changing when I started realizing like, oh, I could control my body shape. I can shape my body through high intensity workout and curbing my appetite and achieve this quote unquote worked mm-hmm. perception of perfect, whatever that was at that time. And of course that was seeded by images in the media and like magazines, billboards, everything all around us. Um, and I attribute a lot of that even to like Disney channel, like watching the Disney channel as a kid. Like when I think about all of the lead stars on the Disney channel. Oh yeah. No, I and I actually nice. resonate with that a lot. And it's like teen magazines and all that. Yes. That kind of thing. Like that's what a teenage girl is meant to look like. And I'm right? like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't look like that. Yeah. Were you aware of it at the time that it was that it felt wrong that there was this very homogenous, um, limited sure. view. The only thing you're aware yeah. of 
is that there's something wrong with you. Right, right, exactly. You're like, I don't fit into that shape. Like, yeah, if that's what it takes to be, when you see like the most successful young women and young people in um, the world and in the media, and they usually fit into a certain size and have a certain look. Mm -hmm. um, you think, damn, I have to monitor that and manage that myself or else I won't be um, successful in this world and validated and valued like them. So those were all of the message that, messages that I was entering the music industry with. And um, so, yeah, looking back at who, who I was when I entered the music industry it was there definitely a lot of focus and energy went into maintaining a certain look and a certain body type. I mean, just look at like film clips for the music industry. That's kind of one of the, especially growing up for us, um, you know, film clips of video clips of songs is, a big part of where you get what visually music and musicians should look like. Right. And I can imagine that would Im impact. It definitely impacted me. Like I can picture some of them right now. Um, yeah. That stuck with me. Even as a viewer, like beyond just being an artist, just as a viewer. Um, I also have, because of, we work in the music industry, my sister and I, a lot of our peers, our colleagues are men. Um, because the dance music scene is a male-dominated scene still, um, slowly changing. We have a lot of work to do, though. Um, but a lot of my friends growing up in high school were boys also. So I grew up hearing comments about women's bodies. Um, you know, oh, she has a great ass. or oh, And yes, that's normal. Like, we talk about other people like that, too. But it, especially in the music industry, hearing how men talk about women. Um, and it, yeah, it made me think like that's what's important. Um, Do they talk about it in a very like you're a product kind of way? Absolutely. Um, even with dance music before, like if you look at, you know, images like flyers from the 90s, like flyers for raves and DJ shows, it's always this like, airbrushed bronze babe with like a six pack and <laughs> like wearing this hot pink metallic bikini with like her hair and glamorous waves wearing a shitload of makeup and she has headphones on and is advertising like a club night <laughs> still that happens and those were like those those were the um that was the presence of women in the dance scene back then when you before you would see them on stage Wow. Yeah. And I don't think it's changed all that much in terms of like what a flyer looks like and <laughs> how it's marketed to you to show up to these events. Yeah. Especially in like where there's a lot of money, especially like when I think about Vegas and the nightlife scene and bottle service clubs, a lot of the time you're selling um, the type of women that you might meet there. And that's something we've observed from just playing the shows. And it's exciting. Like, I, I think, I mean, as we're in this pandemic, it's exciting thing about going out and meeting people, but it's very much so based on um, a look, like what the women look like when you go there. 
to these clubs and events. And we've been participating in that by, for me personally, participating in that by trying to um, keep myself and groom myself or trim myself down um, in a way that's against my natural state to fit in, whether that's me looking a certain way in a crop top on stage and feeling like I shouldn't wear a crop top, this cute little outfit, <laughs> I shouldn't wear it if I have a pudgy belly. Right. And that's something I'm current, like I'm literally, to, any, to anyone who's gonna listen to this, like I am literally in the middle of this unlearning still. Like I have to every single day, like all the future shows we play, like I'm gonna have to tell, I'm telling my future self to not shrink yourself and not feel like you have to be um, act smaller or hide yourself because your body looks different. Because I've gained, I've gained about 25 pounds in this process and still gaining weight. I'm in that phase of my recovery where it's like, it's still going. Right. It's still going. Okay. I love this. So I had a feeling that you went down this path sometime around when everyone went inside due to the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like I'm, it makes me want to cry thinking about how this time, this past year is what it took. It was the, literally the, the key. It was the secret the ingredient I was looking for. I, I was trying to figure out for two years prior to this year, I was like, what is wrong with me? What am I missing? What is my blind spot? And I couldn't figure it out. Hmm. What, what um, do you mean? Like, where, where is that coming from? As like, what's wrong with my health or why am I unhappy or what do you? Um, I think it was, a, it was a lot of it. I was just like, why am I moody all of the time? I think I'm just moody regardless. <laughs> Do you feel that way too, even after you've recovered? Or are you just like, I'm just a moody person or sensitive? Yeah. yeah. It's just exasperated when I'm hungry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I think I was just questioning. I was like, where's my period? Um, why am I not cycling? Why do I feel so, like I have this low energy? Why do I feel like I have this haze? Um, I don't know if you felt that too, where you just had this like really, it felt like you're, you're living your life in, through fogged glass in a way. I just felt like I was just in this weird foggy haze all the time where I couldn't, amazing things were happening where I was in, I just remember being in the Bohemian Paradise National Forest. I think it's a national forest in the Czech Republic. It was right before the pandemic, after a show, we had a day off. We're walking through this the most magical forest. I'm with my sister. I'm with our two dear friends. They're both, they're all laughing. They're singing. And I was literally like, I had to, I remember I had to apologize and be like, guys, I'm in a funk today and I don't know what's going on. Okay. And I kept trying to connect to the present moment. And no matter what I said, I was like, be grateful, Jahan. This is your dream. This is an amazing life you're living. I couldn't snap out of this funk I was in. And that was my state like 70% of the time. Yeah. Okay. So I do you relate that. to that. Okay. About so do a lot of other people listening. There's just the desire for life and like the zest for life is gone. Yeah. And it really yeah. that feeling brings for me a whole new meaning to the um, even just to the phrase like food is a spice of life. 
because mm-hmm. it's like fuel and when you are where you're supposed to be hormonally and nutritionally you have all this mental and physical space to be present with your friends and and do spontaneous things and yes. spend the day out in the forest and be like I'm okay to be out here for a few hours I'm not going to panic and need to go home yeah it happens for some reason we just want to be back in our in our like comforting little room yeah especially when you feel like you're a downer oh yeah you're not very fun at all right (laughs) yeah so that was that was like right before lockdown um and at that time I still I'm trying to remember I think I still thought I had PCOS polycystic ovary syndrome I was like many of us misdiagnosed so in my mind, I kept thinking I had to do the opposite of what I really needed to do. So I still was um, restricting food intake. Um, I was restricting my carbs. I was thinking that like, oh, on these days off, I haven't done high impact or like high intensity workouts. And I should be doing that because I need to not only fix my PCOS, but also lean, you know, lose weight because that was what was important to me at that time. And so I think that was making it worse. Oh, yeah. And that's the problem as well, that a lot of the girls who went down the PCOS route first now have further ingrained this idea that eating less and working out more is even more important. So it makes it it even harder to break. Oh my God. That's why coming back full circle to your podcast, that's why these resources are so important because when our own doctors and by no means am I disrespecting our medical system, but as with any system, it's not a perfect system and has flaws and needs improvements. But when our own doctors are misdiagnosing us, who can we trust? So yeah, that's why I think the internet has just been an incredible tool for me during this time to learn and have that reassurance of anytime I get that inkling of doubt of the path I'm on or that temptation to go back into, oh, I should wait um, another three hours before I eat because I mm-hmm. ate a feast last night. Even though I'm starving, I should wait and then I should do a little workout before I eat. You can identify that voice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, relatable. <laughs> So you said you went into COVID, um, you went into lockdown and started this discovery process and you're in the middle of it right now. And you're thinking about life post when we all go back out and you book your first freaking show in, in what, like a year and a half or something. Um, yeah. What's going through your mind? Like what's the battle? I'm also thinking about dating too. Like that's a big part of it also. Because if I right now do not find myself worthy of love in my own body as I'm gaining weight and as my shape is changing, um, then that's to me, I'm just like, I, I need to like really heal that mindset because if, and also at the same time, if I don't, if, if I don't feel that way about myself, if I don't approve of my own body, that is a reflection of how I feel about others. And when I think about my friends and my future relationships, I want to love them for who they are. And I want to, I want to 
attract people based on a deep, a deeper connection. And that to me ranks supreme over the superficial stuff because that's not sustainable in a relationship. And I don't want that to be the foundation of my relationships. And so that's, that's like my deepest, deepest goal right now. And that's what I try to remind myself of anytime I'm like squeezing my rolls, my tummy rolls and, and, you know, like being a freaking like pathetic lame and just saying like, Oh my God, like my body is changing. Like, no, I, like this is another thing I was thinking about today, you know, going along the first day of Ramadan. I'm like, God, whatever is up there, whatever, I don't know if it's a higher, whatever higher power is up there is allowing, this is a gift that I'm gaining weight. It means it means that I'm finally entering my body in its natural form as if I was like a tree growing and blossoming and a flower blossoming. And I'm allowing myself to receive the benefits of being a fortunate person who can afford to feed herself. And it's a shame to not feed myself when I have the opportunity to buy amazing food and to feed myself high quality food and to eat consistently like it I'm just being a big old baby thinking that I should be restricting myself from that <laughs> like it's a gift so I'm really trying to actively work on that mindset wow that's a big part of what like our whole purpose here is it's like this is you know welcome to the show let's talk about getting your period back that's all great but it's so so much more about getting all this life back and being obsessed for it and realizing that, oh, it's not that I'm like grumpy and and I don't want to be around anyone. I do want to be around these people. Yes. I'm just off at the moment a little bit. And it's really cool that you're seeing all of this. Would you say from like a, like you're seeing it in hindsight and all from this brand new perspective that you didn't realize prior? I think I'm definitely like talking out loud as I go and I, I can intellectually understand this stuff, but I, I feel like I haven't fully embodied it yet. Did yeah. you, did you go through that process too? Cause you, you, what I feel from you is you are so unapologetically accepting of your body and your natural state and other people's too. And before you got to that place, did you feel like you had to really, really, really actively work on fusing you intellectually understanding these concepts of like, I love my body as it's evolving. Um, and, and, and then at a certain point in time, you just really just exuded that. Yeah, that's a good question. And I've never even thought about it. Um, Cause I want to get there. <laughs> Tell me yeah. how. I definitely had a very, very messed up starting point. I I talk about a lot. I was one of the people who like kind of was in denial about it. First time I heard that the idea that you could lose too much weight was bad for you. I was just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I had a lot of hangups and beliefs around what people should look like. And in my own career, I actually work in a um, nutrition coaching company where they like help people get ripped abs for like yeah. money. Um, and I, 
I ended up like being the only one willing to raise my hand. It's like, this is happening to me. And a, it's happening to me like a bit of as a result of the service that we provide to other people. And I don't know how I feel about it anymore. Mm. Uh, and that was really hard. And, you know, a few people started putting their hand up too. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. Then this concept in my mind came up of like, I'm not unique and everything I'm, everything I've thought or heard has someone else has too, which is really fun for me. I love getting on calls or whatever and saying things that other girls didn't realize they were not the only ones thinking. Right. Um, so that process of like validating other people and their experiences, I don't know what it is, but it totally changed the game for me. So, you know, now I'm at this nutrition coaching company and I'm the biggest one there, you know, by, by far. And that going to like the first staff retreat event where you see everyone for the first time in a year was really hard for me. Mm. And the photos were really hard for me and mm. seeing everyone else be, um, you know, lean and muscular and fussy about their food and stuff was all really hard for me. And from time to time, things still are and always will be. And even for you, most definitely, like pe people are going to say things that upset you and expect things from you that they don't realize is not something that you can provide anymore. And that will be hard. But for the most part, um, through the process of like speaking it out loud and just like living the experience every single day, it loses its power over you. Mm -hmm. um, you gain more power th through finding your voice through it. Right. And, and you sort of like, I think when your hormones get back on track, you have a higher self, self-perception. Right. Something about like getting through this slug of it. <laughs> and you just literally feel better and look in the mirror and you're like, okay, cool. And when your cycle's operating how it should, half the month you kind of feel like rubbish. Um, and the other half of the month you feel amazing. And you start to realize there's this weird pattern <laughs> that how can I feel like rubbish half the month and perfect the other half of the month? I think this is all in my head. I think this is all in my head. And yeah, just constant realizations and experiences and realizations and experiences. And I, th I think that's what gets us where we need to go. But when to say yeah. fully, fully accepting of myself and of others, I think is not necessarily true. Um, but being extremely aware of the voice in your head, where it's mm -hmm. coming from, who it belongs to, why it's wrong. I think that's where it's at. Right. For me. It must be really hard to be aware in a situation where you feel like you're the only one representing a diverse, a different body type. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's it. And to be the first one also, because like you said, you were the, the first one in, you know, at your job who really raised their hand and said that, you know, there are other body types and this isn't what health has, this doesn't have to be 
what health looks like. It doesn't have to be the only way. And I'm here to show you that being healthy and functional and thriving can look like this too. Mm-hmm. And being that first one is fucking hard. I bet it is. But that's where like you're courageous in that way. That's that's where community starts because if someone doesn't start it, if someone doesn't take that bold step, then exactly no one's going to do yes. it. Um you know, all of the trailblazers that we praise in the world for different things a lot of them did something unique that hasn't been done before in some way and that's something to lean into and it's funny it's that it's very funny to me that a lot of us in this situation where we're all messed up uh because our body is because we so much want to be special and we want we want to be admired and we want people to approve of us Mm. and the path for doing that is to conform and follow the rules of that everyone else is setting out for us and to look a certain way that has been determined for us so they're kind of they kind of contradict each other yeah we bury ourselves in this mission to be as approved of as and accepted as possible in the hopes that we'll be like loved and treated special this doesn't work that way yeah that that is that's so interesting that you brought up that paradox of that you know our vert for people who want to be accepted and seen and validated and special the process in which we have been doing that is by conforming 100% I have never been more seen and felt more special than I do now speaking the truth mm, you deserve yeah. it like I just want to shower you with love when I see, <laughs> when I hear your wisdom, because you definitely from left, listening to your podcast, I feel your wisdom and it's not, you can't bullshit that. The lessons that you learn from this journey of recovering and completely surrendering to what nature intended for you to what form and shape your nature intended for you to have and what needs nature designed you to have and what limitations. And the more you can learn that and surrender to that, I feel like there's, there's a lot of deep wisdom that comes from that. And that's to me far more important than attaining the body type. A hundred percent. I know a question on your mind is how long will recovery take me? And I know that because I get that question a lot. And it's tough because the timeline can be really unknown. And look, I can't give you a magic answer that's 100% accurate. But what I can do is ask you a whole lot of questions to understand things like what your lifestyle is, where your mindset's at. What have you already tried? What are you willing to try and not willing to try? And a lot more questions like that to determine a general range that you could expect. So I created a quiz to help get that answer to you because I was asking these types of questions to girls all the time. So I thought I'd make a quiz and it's called how long might it take to get my period back? (laughs) The quiz. So 
once you go through it and you answer the questions, it will give you not just a time range, but a quick description of how you might be feeling to help you connect with that answer and see it, make sure it, yes, like this fits, this feels good for me. And don't worry, these ranges don't have to be set in stone at all. The goal is to allow you to look at the range that came based on your answers and decide, you know, do I want to do this or do I want to speed this up? So once you get your range, you'll also get a few emails from me that week with some important tips that are specific to you to help you work through some of the roadblocks that could be slowing you down and in turn speed up your recovery time frame. So Take the quiz now. Just head to quiz.thehasociety.com or find the link in the show notes and let's do this. That's quiz.thasociety.com. What do you want to be like the first person putting your hand up to change or something? I haven't really thought about it that much because I still feel like I'm in the, I'm in the very self-focused mode right now where I'm just everyday journaling the affirmations where I'm like, it's okay that I blah, blah. It's okay that I felt bummed about, you know, stepping on the scale and it was a trigger yesterday, blah, blah, blah. Um, It's very focused on me right now. So it feels very self-centered, but I do feel myself on the other side of this. Um, really wanting community and uh, realizing how important um, my presence and me embracing myself and accepting myself and me existing in the form that I am, that in itself, my presence in um, entertainment or in the dance music scene, whatever it is, or even just walking down the street in Los Angeles where most people here are like shredded if you're walking around the Silver Lake Reservoir. (laughs) Um, So even just me as just a human being serving as an example of another body type that does not fit the status quo right now of what we see in, I keep saying entertainment because that's, you know, music, but that's the industry I'm in. Um, but I, I hope that I hope I can, I mean, I will, I'm going to continue honoring this path and allowing myself to be, um, in my natural state. And I really hope that does serve as an example that can motivate and inspire people to accept themselves as well and not fight against, um, what their health needs are based on adhering to the certain code of what beautiful or successful is and um going back to community I feel like a lot because um, my sister and I are are half and we also have one other sister the three of us girls but we're half Pakistani so I feel like a lot of when I think about diversity a lot of the emphasis has been on like gender diversity and um, um also ethnic diversity but I didn't put much weight on body diversity I don't know why I never really was that's not something I was really fighting for um but now it's interesting how like when you live something and you're going through something that's when you're like oh my god I see how important it is because I needed like I need this community 
online, the various niche communities that exist, the Instagram profiles I follow, like from looking up hashtags, all, I need that so badly to validate my experience and to validate my process of healing. But otherwise I'd feel so alone. And I, I really, I guess before I kind of was superficially understanding it, like, oh, body diversity, oh, it's cool that they cast this person or this sort of person as a lead. In a very superficial way, I'd get it and appreciate it. But now I'm just like, I, I, I see it is not only just important, but it is absolutely vital because it has to do with our health. It absolutely has to, if we're destroying our reproductive systems because of this mindset to control our bodies and resist food and work out in a way that doesn't serve us, we are literally damaging our health and damaging our bodies. So in that way, it to me, it's, it's like completely rational too. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard that question? It's kind of like a conversation starter question, but it's a great one. It's like, in 20 years, what would you love to be considered ridiculous <laughs> and a common example is you know yeah. smoking in airplanes you know people did that not that long ago yeah, right. and now it's absurd it's like it's completely absurd and I feel like this should fall in that category <laughs> like we should it we should get to a point where we can tell our maybe even just our children like there was a time when we were marketed to to literally be unhealthy if that's right. what it took to look a certain way and it's that, gonna happen it, it, it's, it's going yeah. slowly turning in that direction which is yeah. very exciting and that's why I'm pumped to, to be talking to you too because the entertainment industry does have a huge part to play it has a huge 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 part to play in the greater world's progress here because there are few industries where absolutely everyone consumes but entertainment is one of those ones where entertainment grocery stores and you know probably some other things are industries that everyone consumes from right and i think many many of us got a lot of our ideals from what we saw in the media in mm. entertainment all around us being put in front of us. So the position that entertainers are in is both very hard, I assume terrifying, and um, full of opportunity. Like, right. That, that, ex that excites me. And I'm wondering what you, have you seen much in the direction of change? Or is this something that, people need to people in the industry need to like open up to creating community around and a message around I think both I think we're seeing the change even when I think about like I was watching Demi Lovato's one of her episodes yes, her, um, documentary the other night and I was like this is the kind of stuff I need to consume right now a reminder of someone who is incredibly enigmatic and admired and respected on a mass level who is actively um, actively revealing her process of accepting herself and healing her relationship with food. And um, 
I would have never, just in the same way where I would have never imagined like Chinese and Korean actors and African-American actors, you know, holding the place of lead characters and love interests in shows mm -hmm. 20 years ago. I, my 13-year-old self would have never imagined that we have massive superstars in the world who are um, who are changing the narrative and using their platform to and, and very bravely and courageously exposing their process with people also because it's it's hard being open with people while you're in the middle of struggling to accept yourself and talking about yeah. that too there's a lot of people who are like I don't want to share until I'm through it I feel that I, I had hesitancy before even talking to you. I was like, I was like, I'm still deep in this shit. Like I'm, yeah. Yeah. I actually <laughs> really enjoy talking to people and I need to do more of it. Uh, talking to people who haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Because when we, when we only listen to people who like got through it to the other side, they totally skip over the, the real truth and the real struggle and it's more exciting and it's easier to glorify it um but when we have a conversation and that's what so I have this community the AJ Society and we yeah. meet weekly and we talk about this stuff because everyone's literally in it in the middle of yes <laughs> and they're allowed to talk about whatever they want um and be as real with it as they want and not have the answer right and other people are allowed to say hey I also don't have the answer to your question uh, but I'm going through this with you yeah and so I hope that helps and you just sort of process it out loud and it's also what I did I I sort of like took on recovery myself silently and then got got to a point where I was like oh there's no end date so I'm going to just stop sharing now. Yeah. Like there is no end date. There's only. You still feel that way now. Like there's no. Yeah. No, there's, there's yeah. no end date. You know, I'm, <laughs> I am pregnant, but post, post baby, like I'm going to worry about this again. You know, right. when is my period going to come back? Am I going to, because the amount of marketing, new marketing, that's all brand new that. I hadn't been exposed to before I'm now being exposed to is this idea of like having this perfect pregnancy body and oh my getting, god you're getting right. back to it you know it's everywhere so it because the world's like a little battlefield and you have to just be like always ready I love that you bring that up and you're prepared for what you're going to be faced with post-pregnancy especially in a world that really is rewarding celebrities for having a banging body after pregnancy and they're like and you you hear all these comments where like oh my god like look she, it looks like she can even get pregnant like how did she what did she do to i worry get back celebrities. <laughs> i worry i look at it and i'm like oh, oh i don't think this you know i don't right. think that the vast majority i think there's going to be a few genetic you know, people who just like that, that was their reality. Mm. And then there's those who busted their ass because to be in the spotlight, to be in front of people is highly motivating to get your body back. Right. Right. 
Um, and I'm sure you can resonate with that concept too, right? It's like, it's significantly more motivating when people are watching. Yeah, I think I always, it was weird, even though when I think about the moments where I was at my lowest weight, like on tour for photo shoots, even though I was depleted of energy because my little did I know my hormones were imbalanced, um, I weirdly felt good about myself because I was just like, oh my God, I'm so ready. I didn't eat my breakfast this morning. My stomach is slightly concave and like I can fit in all of the clothes here for sure um for a photo shoot and I would reward myself it was a very it was an unsustainable happiness that I felt um in those moments and on whether that was on stage or photo shoots video shoots and um that's not a healthy when I look back at that mindset now I'm just like that is not a healthy mindset to have and seeing where that mindset led me where I was constantly rewarding myself for for having that type of body in those situations is what led me to not having a period along with other things, of course, but. And do you have a period now or not yet? Well, if she's on time, she'll be knocking at my door in like 10 days or yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, I haven't had consistent regular ones yet, but I've had three. I got my first one on Thanksgiving, this past Thanksgiving. Oh, and Danny, cool. it was hilarious. Because Thanksgiving, you know, in the States, that's you, that's the day you just feast all day. Yeah. It was the most just, like, symbolic moment. Because I was, I was just eating carbs all day while we were cooking. My, I was with my sister, so there was a shitload of ovary energy happening. Like, all, you know, all of our ovaries hanging out. And I got my period that evening. And I was, and then I was just like, is this what it takes? Do I just need to eat a ton of carbs? Yep. And I, yeah. My first one came. My first one came when I was sitting at the beach, like at this cafe at the beach, with my laptop, like writing. I enjoy mm-hmm. writing and eating a croissant, you know. And you're just like, oh, oh, oh I love that. <laughs> it's so like, it is symbolic. Was it emotional for you, or was it kind of just like, oh shit, you're back? I was sick. I was immediately unwell. <laughs> Wait, when you got your period? My first, first, yeah, I've never had it again since be so painful, but that first one was. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, that one, that one, when I talk about it, it was, um, it was like one random spontaneous one that happened because I had moved to America mm-hmm. and I wasn't legally allowed to work here because like it takes time to get a social security number and all of that jazz. Yeah. So they force you on this like five month break. Um, where other people are responsible for you and during that time you know I got my period and I was very excited because I hadn't seen it for ages but at that time I actually didn't know what I know now and wasn't wasn't as connected to it so the and I lost it again right like I, I never got another one but after that the real the real one was it's the best it's the best feeling ever it's kind of like when people get pregnant and they see this dick and they're like oh my god like it's it's that exciting I feel that like when I get the past couple to the past two times that I got mine I screamed down yeah because I wanted my my cousin who's my roommate my other roommate here I'm like I got my period and my neighbor's probably like what the hell like this 30 year old 31 year old woman it's like 
it's really exciting. It it's is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have a, like a mug that I give to every girl that gets their period. Cause oh. it says, um, I got my period. Let it be known because like that yeah. we're so excited about it that you just like sip your mug and it says it on there. Oh. You just want the world to know that's a common experience. It's like you want, you just can't wait to tell everyone. Right. I what wanted to like through? bleed through my pants at the grocery store. I was just like, I don't even fucking care anymore. I'm so <laughs> yeah, I feel that. It's like getting your big break. It feels real. Yeah. It's validation that you're on the right track. Yeah. And I think for, you know, as we know, after months and sometimes years of people just throwing shit at a wall and trying to see what will get them back on track. You know, as we all know, it can be, you can feel very hopeless. But when you do get your period, you're like, oh my God, I intuitively knew all along I arrived at this point because I helped myself. Yeah. That's success. That to me is like the highest form of success. Because the perseverance through the pain is incredible, right? With most other goals, you're seeing some kind of signs. Yeah. In the right direction and although we can see some signs of progress when we're cycling uh sorry when we're trying to get our cycle back it's not we don't put a whole lot of stock into them um in the yeah. way we do it. and we mostly just feel like nothing good is happening this is stupid this isn't for me i probably don't even have this it probably is pcos i just like think i might give up maybe i shouldn't maybe i should exercise a little bit maybe i should diet a little bit more like maybe the stress of doing this is worse than the stress of not doing this and it's a very vicious cycle that you're just yeah. like lie in bed and think and loop and loop and loop in your mind about what you should be doing and then it comes <laughs> and you're like hey are you an overthinker me oh uh, yeah probably probably like you- a normal degree I, normal I, I I'm a decision maker I'm very good at making decisions okay but, you know, when, when the decision is unclear, it's very stressful. Mm, right. Do you, have you ever had sleep issues like insomnia? I don't think anything out of the ordinary. Like yeah. only when something really stressful is going on. Mm. Otherwise, not really. My, my chaya manifested as sleeping a lot, being very tired and I, I was not tired and wired. I was just tired. Hmm. I'm, I'm so interested in, and this is probably something you experience in the HA society, but the patterns in the people who have HA, that fascinates me when you can actually see descriptions of personality types based on studies that have been done, you know, like perfectionism, oh, yeah. insomnia, overachievers, I think that's like really, I think that's what also like really bonds me to other people that um, are, have had HA or are struggling with it because I feel like, you know, there, there are people very common types of personalities here. Like everyone listening, maybe there's some people who can relate to that, but. Very um, high achievers, typically in the first world. Um, of course people with HA in like the third world and stuff are not doing it for the same, don't have it for the same reasons we have it. They are typically white and Mm. we resonate with 
very similar experiences that happened to us growing up pretty similar like in fact hearing your story about the impact of ramadan like how or or at least how you used ramadan for your yeah. own for your own purposes is kind was kind of like that's kind of a unique one because most of the time i'm talking to white girls it's mostly yeah i kind of noticed yeah. that yeah yeah i i have tried to reach out to people from other cultures of other color mm-hmm. and they're actually just like don't resonate or um say no or I even have maybe maybe it's because like when I think about this maybe it's because the lack of resources too like when I do think about um people who have a lack of resources most of the time in mostly in this country it's people of color and to do the research and have the access to information and to get all of that lab work like thank god for insurance but it would have been thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of blood work over the years even when i think about the dexa scan all of that stuff to you know to check your bone density that costs so much money and that's what frustrates me so much is because it's it's creating such a divide in who has access to heal or not only heal who has access to even be diagnosed so i'm sure there's so many people who have it and they're not even aware they have it and i think that's a big part yeah. of it as well yeah like we know that just racism alone gets in the way of people of people of color going to their doctor and get it being taken seriously right you know, with diagnosis. absolutely and when you talk to all of us right us privileged people of white descent we we're even having trouble getting this diagnosis <laughs> so like we're even getting gaslighted by doctors about this kind of thing mm-hmm. um or not necessarily yeah. gaslighted but just they don't know and Questioned, yeah. it's hard for us it's definitely hard for people of other cultures right. yeah it's very it's very interesting and that's another thing that tells me you know we're still at the beginning of this we're right. still at the very very <laughs> of this whole problem and there's a long long ass way to go yeah it, that's a good point it, it does show that um the I guess just the narrative around hypothalamic amenorrhea's in its infancy that we haven't even haven't even talked about race yet. And I don't you know the articles I read online, the vlogs, the studies that I've read, the books, they're very white centric. And 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 that's okay. That that's okay because it's changing and I think we're living in a time where people are quickly learning and they're they're holding people accountable and they're open to constructive criticism and they're open to expanding their messaging to be more inclusive so yeah it's it's good that we're catching it now yeah so like everyone listening i know i know that i'm white and i'm struggling to get a more diverse audience um not audience but content happening um something i'm definitely working on as good as i possibly can it's tough. Yeah. Thank you so much for having this whole conversation with me. I think the big takeaways for me are like 
you, as someone who is successful in music industry and entertainment industry, are also like working to change a narrative by focusing on yourself, right? And like what you need and and really like doing the inner work that you need to do so that you if you need to impact people in the future you can and I think that's the thing that we all need to do is be focusing on ourselves and right like what change can you make for yourself that can change the world uh, yeah that's I think what I see you thank you I think it definitely it has felt very inward and I'm excited, you know, as I have more energy now to like be more social and to connect with more people, I am excited to, um, to be a part of changing that narrative because so much of this, this, um, the behavior that's toxic and, um, I guess is detrimental to our health is also on the business end of things. You know, when I think about, um, menstruator, what girls or those who menstruate who are looking for managers and agents, you know, we're still in an industry where there's a lot of pressure being put on people to tour a certain way and to have their schedules look a certain way and to commit to this many gigs and to put this much work on your plate because that's what it takes to be an artist. That's what a successful artist look like, looks like. And that was seriously damaging for me also is that you know, not having any sort of energetic or spiritual or personal space in my life to heal and reflect and process things. So I think in all aspects of the music industry on the business end of things too, I hope that things can change. And um, thankfully, my sister and I have an incredible manager, Fiona, who's Australian. Oh, of course. Um, yes, she's so wonderful. And she's so, she is a breath of fresh air. And I tell her all the time, like, I, I'm, I'm just like, thank you for being understanding that we, we don't want to commit to this this week, or we don't want to do that show, or um, I can't be on the call this week, or I need to reschedule, or I need to push this back 30 minutes so I can get a lunch, so I can eat lunch <laughs> for my, you know? So, and she's so understanding of that and she does that for herself too. And I think that, that the culture needs to change and it, and it, a lot of it starts with validating and um, people like when I think about Fiona and like telling her that we need more people like you and how can we let people that want to get into the business end of things know that you can be a successful business person and operate like that in a very balanced and compassionate way as well. Yeah. Sounds like I need to talk to Fiona as well. She is a boss woman and yeah, all about self-care too. Yeah. that's And, and very business minded, very, very and goal oriented. So she's such a great balance. And, and I see you being this way too. You're very balanced in your, um, yeah, I guess your ambition, because I what I feel like when I watch, listen to your podcast, I'm like, this girl's ambitious as fuck and goal oriented to be pumping these out and to have everything systematized and organized and to be running a whole society and have an online presence and like writing and creating your art. You're very um, productive. You have to be productive to do that. And, but at the same time, to heal, you have to go inward 
and to have your downtime. And so you, you have a great balance of that. And I see our managers being someone like that. Also. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Cause I get all that done and I finish by like five or six, you know, and then that's it. Amazing. And I think it's possible for all of us. I can see how in the entertainment industry, it's like different. Um, it can be possible. You can, you can write whatever you can design this career to be the way you want it to. Which is cool. It depends on how high you want to go. If you're trying to be Taylor Swift and play stadiums, then maybe you got to work your fucking ass off nonstop. I don't know. But right. my sister and I have made it clear where we're like, we want our personal private lives. We want, um, we want to be able to go to the grocery store. We want to be able to do our own laundry. We want to be able to, take days off we want to be able to have slow mornings and work so wow yes that is yeah. the thing right you can't have this this is what we're going to finish on you cannot have um everything right you can't have the most amazing body in the whole world and the best relationship and the perfect family and all of these friends and be a good friend and have lots and lots of money and enjoy your slow, peaceful time. Like very few people can have all of those things mm-hmm. because it's unrealistic. And right. it's, it's actually to achieve all of that is a lot of pressure. Right. right? And it's and it's actually what a lot of us are striving for is to mm-hmm. grind now and grind ourselves into the ground now so that on the other side it's all too easy and we don't have we just get that but no you have to stop now and you have to make that space for yourself now and say no to the grind so that you say yes to yourself and to those quiet mornings and come to peace with the fact that like we're not all going to be Taylor Swift I want to say one more thing too, because I know we were about to wrap up, but going off that, I think a lot of the time we go throughout our lives, not knowing what we want and we make decisions and we, and we arrive in places where we have no period or can't get pregnant or whatever, Mm. or have some other health condition. I think identifying your goals and what you want and what you want your life to look like and almost working backwards from there. If we're talking career-wise, like if you're going into the music industry and you're like, I want to be the best of the best and I'm really competitive and I just want to be like pumping out content all the time, then good luck. I'm not the person to talk to. <laughs> but if you're the type of person who's just like, I can, ha- I would like to have a very modest career and mm. be financially sustainable, live, you know, be financially independent and um, take care of my family and I, I can drive a Prius. I drive a Prius. So I'm like, I don't need like a bougie car and a bougie house. And I don't need five homes and I don't need to go on like bougie ass vacations every month, whatever it is, like really imagine like the type of life you want for yourself. And a lot of the time, the work and what it takes to get there, um, that, yeah, it, it, your lifestyle doesn't need to be as crazy as you think it is if where you want to go is somewhere that feels very doable and achievable for you while maintaining your health so um thank you for wrapping it up on a very important note i appreciate that so much wise words thank you where 
can people go and find you? Well, the band, the group page for the music and the music updates is Cruella on Instagram. So it's at K-R-E-W-E-L-L-A, Twitter, it's Cruella, the same thing. And my personal is Cruella Jahan. So it's K-R-E-W-E-L-L-A-J-A-H-A-N. Amazing. That's where yeah. you can find me. Of, and then Spotify, Cruella. Yeah. Fancy blue tick. She's very fancy. Um, oh god, that's a conversation for another time. Blue check mark. Do, do blue check mark doesn't mean shit. I think people. I think people respect that way too much. <laughs> well, I made fun of you for it. <laughs> I'm not trying to demote myself or or get rid of my status of having a blue check mark. Let's say it probably it probably got your attention when I slid in your DM. If someone gave me a blue check mark, I would be like, I would take it. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you have it, you you go to the top of people's inbox. I know that honestly, that's why I just say I'm really grateful for it. Because when I reach out, when I'm like nerding out and I'm like, I listen to your podcast, I'm a fan. It's oh, wait, when I reach out to like dietitians and nutritionists or just like whoever, biologists, whoever I'm reaching out to, because I'm like, that's you're helping funny. me on my health journey. <laughs> it's like a skip the line pass it. Oh my gosh. It is a privilege. It is. Good to really know. <laughs> I take back anything I said. Amazing. Shaming the blue check mark. <laughs> Thank you so much, Danny. Thank you. I cannot wait for everyone to hear this. I hope you have an amazing day. And yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing. And we cut out. Yeah, but it got, it, it still worked. It got okay. me. Awesome. <laughs> um, Danny, where are you? Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.